and uh, welcome to uh, yet another edition, indeed a special one, of Offside Musings, which I co-host uh, with Emeka Onyagwa. Um, in today's episode, we're going to talk about recent and ongoing developments in Nigerian politics. Um, specifically, we're going to look at the landscape, um, as, at least as, as far as it's discernible to us, of the 2023 presidential election. Um, already we're seeing uh, some developments. Um, uh, clearly, Bola Tinubu, former governor, uh, uh, former governor Bola Tinubu of Lagos State, um, former Huara State governor, uh, Bukala Saraki, uh, former Vice President Atiku Abubakar, um, are stepping up uh, their campaigns, um, uh, trying to accumulate as much uh, political steam uh, and capital as possible. And we're going to dissect all of that and to look at what uh, those candidates portend uh, for the political future. Uh, of Nigeria. And um, part of the argument, um, uh, if one might spill uh, what it is, what it is, um, is that, that the emergence of these characters as the leading, uh, at least the visible candidates for presidency in Nigeria, portends a very negative uh, future for Nigeria politically. Uh, none of these three candidates uh, who are zigzagging uh, through the country um, represents in the Nigerian imagination any form of vision for political uh, development uh, or for economic advancement of the country uh, in the least. I would actually say that uh, Tinubu, Saraki, and Atiku, as well as some of the other characters who uh, have indicated their interest in running for the 2023 presidential elections, represent something of the terrible, haunting past that Nigerians ought to want to escape from. Um, and one of the things we're going to suggest is that the recent Anambra state election, uh, governorship election in which um, Charles Chukwuma Soludo emerged uh, as a clear winner, uh, offers us uh, perhaps a few um, tantalizing hints of what is possible if uh, the progressive uh, uh, visionary forces in Nigeria uh, somehow managed to articulate themselves into um, a political force uh, to back uh, a more forward-looking uh, candidate, perhaps a dark horse, somebody who is not as well-known, but somebody who can uh, inspire Nigerians with a, a vision of a different kind of country. Uh, I've always said that Nigeria um, is a country with tremendous uh, promise and that promise has been um, it's been 
aborted in the past, it's been demolished uh, in some ways, but there is some vestige of the promise that remains. So, um, so my expectation, my hope, is that the um, Nigerians who are enlightened, Nigerians who want a different and better country, uh, are going to aggregate uh, in a political movement, not necessarily a political party, but a political movement that would uh, find, um, uh, give um, Philip and fuel uh, to a candidate uh, who will uh, move the country in a different direction and in a more desirable direction. So, so that's one leg of the issue. The other uh, part of the problem of Nigeria that um, is often not talked about is the issue of constitutional restructuring of the country, the constitutional and political restructuring of the country. Nigeria clearly is askew the way that it is currently um, uh, structured. Uh, you find a center that has absolutely too much power, uh, which is why we see this um, uh, aggressive drive uh, by lots and lots of political uh, actors, especially uh, criminal ones who want to congregate around the center because that's the uh, location, if you like, of political power. So what we expect, at least what we're going to propose, is that in addition to having a conversation about what kind of candidate uh, do we want as Nigerians to uh, become president in 2023, that we're also going to talk about what kind of country do we want to see, uh, what kind of political and constitutional arrangements uh, are likely to um, facilitate the transformation of Nigeria into the kind of polity that would um, serve the interests, the dreams, the hopes, of uh, this collectivity that we call Nigeria. But I think that clearly um, that if we follow the template uh, in Anambra State, where um, for the first time uh, in the history of that state at any rate, um, the campaigns culminated in a political debate, okay, featuring uh, the three major political parties, um, the, uh, the APGA candidate, who ultimately became the winner, Professor Chukwu Masoludo, uh, the PDP candidate, um, Val Ozibo, and the APC candidate, Andioba. Um, at that debate, uh, there was a kind of winnowing that took place. There was a kind of crystallization uh, before uh, for the people of Anambra State, and indeed Nigerians who watched that debate that there were only, in the end, two credible, legitimate candidates, and that was Ozibo and, uh, uh, and, uh, and um, uh, Suludo. That Andioba was something of an interloper, was something of, um, of, um, of a wannabe. And uh, the kind of message that the people of Anambra State subsequently sent in making Andy come... Um, a distant third in the elections, I think uh, can be replicated on the national scene 
if uh, the progressive forces in the country, the enlightened, force, the enlightened forces in Nigeria um, would have the discipline to come together across ethnic and religious and class lines to crystallize into uh, a political momentum uh, that will sweep away uh, these Neanderthals um, who have wrecked Nigeria and put Nigeria in the shape it is and uh, who therefore are able to even uh, talk about themselves, propose themselves as presidents, as president in, 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 in a country that they have absolutely no credentials um, to, 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 uh, to govern. So, um, so we're looking forward to a great uh, conversation today. Um, and we thank you for joining us and we think that you're going to find much uh, that is going to be stimulating and thought-provoking and perhaps that um, something that will shift the kind of conversations that we usually have in Nigeria, a conversation that all too often uh, revolves around um, those that I call um, mediocrities and non-entities uh, who want to reduce Nigeria to the level of their grasping um, uh, and um, of their, their grasping sensibility and just their sheer primitive uh, capacity for, um, for accumulation of private, uh, of, uh, of, of private wealth. So thank you very much and for joining us in today's edition of Offside Musings. It was it's a, clearly a good monologue, um, um, but you know it 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 does feel like it, we talking from a distance. Um, talk when we talk when I talk to people um, that are more as they would describe themselves on the ground, they feel there is a delusionality mm-hmm. about the way we see things from this angle. We mm-hmm. take a look at it, we see we see possibilities which is something we're trying to do right here you know um um try to take a serious look at what the situation on the ground and look at possibilities look at um you know have these conversations and add to this to this fair but you know people no matter how we talk or how we um analyze or how we break it down um in terms of what what could happen what should happen and especially the structural the need for a structural um or somebody structurally address the con- uh, readdress the situ- the, the structures in the country mm-hmm. you know people look at us as being slightly delusional mm-hmm. um so i don't know um is it us are we delusional is it is there anything to what we are saying or what yeah. we are putting forth mm-hmm. that you, that that could be a reality yeah is it and is it just people backing up on top of a tree mm. or is it an inspirational campaign like maybe Obama, mm. you know, even though it's far away or um, I don't know if there's, there's ever been a very inspirational uh, political campaign, an actual political campaign in maybe West Africa or Africa that galvanized people to, to vote. Because I don't even count um, uh, June 12th as an inspirational campaign per mm. se. It, it was just that it ended up being free and fair through a lot of second, through a lot of accidental and un, true un, unintended 
uh, unintended this thing ended up being um, uh, free and fair. Yeah. And the Nigerian mm-hmm. system has made sure that that would, mm-hmm. that seems to have made sure that that would never happen again. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the question you just raised is very interesting. In fact, um, a few days ago, I was uh, driving. Um, I had a long drive. I went to give a talk at a university in upstate New York. And as I drove, I began to think specifically about the question you just raised, uh, the question of um, uh, those of us who are enlightened, uh, who believe in the possibility of a different better Nigeria are we deluded are we are we crazy are we deranged um, and the, part of the reason I asked this question is that I was reflecting on uh, sort of the reality that um, trusts itself in one's consciousness uh, in Nigeria that um, every year so-called traditional rulers hand out what they call traditional titles, you hardly ever see somebody, a recipient of those traditional titles, that um, you can legitimately say has made a significant positive contribution to society. These titles are usually given to knaves, um, uh, idiots, who have looted public treasuries uh, or who have committed uh, some crime or another in furtherance of selfish interests. These are not people who represent the common good, what we call the common good, shared goals and visions and, um, and, uh, and ideals. And then you go to church. Again, the people who are often giving... Uh, positions of knighthoods and dameships and uh, who are ushered to the front pews and so on, happen to be often these criminal elements. Um, And you go to public events, the people that uh, crowds congregate around and uh, hail and venerate and, you know, applaud and so on, are the same kinds of people. So So I was thinking about it. I said, does it mean that there is something constitutionally uh, amenable, uh, you know, in us, that something within us that celebrates um, the errant, uh, morally decrepit um, behavior. But on second thought, my my suspicion is that Nigerians actually want. Um, want a good society and they want they want um good people in their lives they um at core admire those who do good things when it counts right but you find a society that is steeped in such great poverty that it is easy to exploit so when we see um, a big man who is a thief, a big thief, being followed by a crowd at a festival. It is actually not out of admiration in the end, it's out of desperation. Okay? And I think that uh, in the political sphere, at any rate, by the way, even if we are 
removed from the political scene and we are dreaming. The truth is that you can't actually achieve anything in life unless you can, first of all, imagine a different, better situation, right? Nigeria might still be a colony of the British. If Awolowo and Zeke and the other people, and Nahoro, who fought for independence, if they had said, ah, it's going to be impossible. How are we going to talk the British into it? How are we going to fight them into it? So British, the British Empire would still have remained. But some people began to think of a different possibility and they began to think of self-rule and they fought for it and got it. It was an imperfect struggle, an imperfect bequest, because that's why we see all these wars in Nigeria and in other post-colonial societies in Africa and elsewhere. But at least this you can say that we were able to extricate ourselves from, uh, from the rule by the British. So I think that when it comes to the political arena, that uh, what we need ultimately is for our enlightened um, sector to bring to the struggle the same kind of undying um, energy, the same kind of resilience, the same kind of passion that ultimately you must bring to every struggle that is worthwhile. And I think that's, you know, the achievement of a, a country that is not shackled by leaders whose sense of what it means to be a leader is their capacity to embezzle, you know, uh, a huger and huger slice of the national cake. Um, I think that um, we must struggle uh, to achieve uh, a movement away from that kind of, of uh, primitive uh, um, accumulation as the end of political leadership and achieve uh, leadership that really truly seeks to transform society. Yeah, so are we, are we, are we still kind of, do we, is it a sense of delusion that we feel people that have been um, subjected to the kind of mental um, torture, captivity, to the point of um, absolute desperation and survival? In so many ways, I mean, you have people who, yeah, for for example, you have, even at the base, you've had people in the last 50, 60, 70 years who deny their ethnicity or try to claim another ethnicity. They do everything, bend over backwards to deny. Um, you have people who worship. Or, you know, are we asking too much from these people to go out there and be part of taking control back from whatever we might term them, neo-colonialists, um, whatever we might term, you know, these people that are virtually, you know, um, pillaging um, the society, um, setting the society backwards. Are we asking so much that to, to look at these people and say there's a way forward when they look at, oh, you know, the first protest they had in God knows how long, the NSAS protest, and ends up with dead bodies, mm -hmm. you know? Or whichever way people look at it, that people, there's so much um, um, 
it seems like a dead cause to them. Mm-hmm. And they just rather go to the path of least resistance. People vote in Nigeria. People are conditioned to vote in Nigeria, you know, and in, in a hardened way. Votes for the person they think would win. Mm-hmm. Not for yeah. the person they feel would do. Not any other thing, just That's simple. Right. The right. one criteria for voting, conditioned over... Gen- so are we asking so much for people to think another way? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, uh, you you know, clearly you articulate a point about a certain disconnect. I mean, we were talking earlier and you spoke about it as a disconnect. That clearly that disconnect is there. But I think that that disconnect is there partly because in to return to the political arena, uh, they enlightened, refined, educated um Politicians in Nigeria have been outworked by far by the, um, these uh, negative, parasitic, um, greedy, grubbing and grasping uh, politicians have outworked, um, uh, uh, you know, the, those who should be the good ones, right? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so, so you look at it now. Where we all the conversation is about Tinubu, and mm-hmm. it's about Bola uh, Bukala Saraki, and about Atiku. When you think about these three men, okay, um, as politicians, is there any idea that they represent? Are their achievements of their time of their? Uh, uh, time in politics that somebody would say wow what an exemplary um political legacy which would then want to reinstitute and extend all over the country and the answer is no that these people represent uh, at core if you want to distill what bukala saraki uh, Tinubu and Atiku represent politically. It is quite simply that they made a lot of money in government, and they are making a lot of money as we speak. That's the only. That's actually the only thing that finally we can link to them. There is no great idea. There is no philosophy of governance. There is no vision. Um, None of them has come up with a plan to address joblessness in Nigeria, to give Nigeria a healthcare system that will be so sound that perhaps people from Cameroon and Ghana and um, you know Togo or something will say, let's go to Nigeria to seek cancer treatment because Nigeria has uh, an excellent health system. None of them has come up even with an idea to address the blight. They, they do come to Nigeria to make music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, precisely. So, which is, again, it says something, right? So the music sector, the movie sector in Nigeria, mm-hmm. the creative writing sector in Nigeria are vibrant, mm-hmm. okay, are thriving. And so that's why you have this paradox that a people... Nigerians who have some of the most educated, some of the most talented and creative people in the world. Why is it that when it comes to politics, we return again and again 
to the least exciting, least creative, least intellectually gifted, whether it's an Obasanjo or an Atiku or uh, an uh, um, um, uh, Ojikalo, um, you know, why do we return to these people who actually should be properly uh, banished to the margins of, of politics? I think that the disconnect again comes from uh, those who want to, uh, at least those who pro propose themselves as the alternative. Okay. A few years ago, for example, I ran into um, Nuhuri Badu, the uh, inaugural EFCC chairman. Mm -hmm. He was running uh, in an election to be president of Nigeria at the time. And he uh, asked for my endorsement. And I told him that since I wrote a column, I was a columnist that I had to stay outside of the outside of such political choice because you know if he got elected president and he wasn't doing well I'd like to write about him so if you had said to people vote for this man then you lose a bit of your credibility so I said to him but I can give you advice I said do what Obama did Take your message. I said, first of all, formulate a good message and take it to young people in Nigeria. I said, go to college campuses, go to polytechnics, colleges of education, go to towns and cities where you can find young people who are the predominant population in Nigeria. I said, take your message to them. I said, if you excite them with your message, if they can see that the, the message makes sense, is cohesive, that it's a, a hard work and thinking has gone into it. And if they see in you a passion and a commitment to the implementation of the vision that you unfold before them, I said, two things are going to happen. These young people would come out as you are foot soldiers they're going to come out and vote for you. The other thing that will happen is that they are going to go back to their parents and say to their parents, we, your children, want a future. This man represents that future. So he seemed sold on my suggestion. The next thing is, I'm reading the papers and, uh, you know, Nuhuri Badu is in Nigeria going from one emir to a, another emir. Uh, to a traditional ruler looking for validation. And I say, well, he ran a boring, dull, conventional campaign, and it wasn't even a blip on the electoral map in the elections. He was vanquished, and properly so. Because the truth is, the MIS are not going to support you when they know somebody who is already established as representing the kind of handouts that they re receive. They are not going to gamble on you, okay? So why do you gamble? Why do you hedge your bets? Uh, why do you uh, 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 embed yourself with them, okay? So the same thing I say to uh, Kinsley Morgalo and, you know, to the other younger, more enlightened uh, political um, aspirants, it does not pay to go gallivant from 
a failed politician or a failed military leader to another one. Take your message consistently. And they should have started after the 2018 elections in Nigeria. That's when you start. Unfortunately, what we see is that with a few months to an election, a bunch of candidates come out and say, we want to remove the old, um, these uh, moribund uh, politicians with absolutely no sense of vision, no vision, right? But then you are starting late. People don't even know you to start with. You're not a household name and you haven't taken any message to the people. Okay, and so why would they trust you? So in, the, in their imagination, in the imagination of Nigerians, they are stuck with these old names that keep recycling themselves. And they've been told, then they are told that these are the two or three candidates who have a shot. And people want to be part of, you know, the winning team and they end up voting along ethnic or religious lines often against their own interests because somebody who is Igbo speaking may not mean anything for the Igbo, right? Somebody who is a Muslim or a Christian may not actually do anything. In fact, if you're a poor leader and you are a Christian, you are poor for Christians as well as for anybody. Just like when Obasanjo was president, I went to uh, AIT television to do a uh, program on Kakaki. And I told them that Obasanjo was a disaster as a leader. And it wasn't a disaster for Igbo people and, and uh, Hausa people and so on. I said he was a disaster for everybody, including for himself. Okay? <laughs> so, so, so he should have, if he had what we call enlightened self-interest, Obasanjo should have said, I cannot, I'm a terrible president. I must remove myself. Yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 it's, um, it's, it's that um, hardened disconnect people feel. I'm, I think maybe I'm beginning to, we're beginning to see a bridge that needs to be built, mm -hmm. uh, built in terms of the way people perceive what is bound to happen. They, they feel it's bound, written in stone, mm -hmm. You know, especially in Nigeria, everything is like ordained by God or what, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. You know Nigerians say only God gives power. <laughs> so, and, so. and if it is true, then God must hate us because <laughs> terrible people <laughs> have got power in Nigeria. So I'm saying, no, God doesn't give power. Voters give power. And so go and vote. And you know, um, yeah, please. No, so, so, <laughs> so, so a lot of people feel feel like, and, and I had, I've, I, you know, I have this back and forth with people in terms of, did you vote? Uh -huh. Are you voting? Uh -huh. And it's almost like I'm offended. I'm off trying to offend people yeah. by asking this question. <laughs> it's yeah. like you know, I'm like, but you know that those of us that live overseas yes. are never allowed to vote. Yeah, but but you know, you can't. On one hand, you can't blame. Uh, Nigerians, right? Because we also know that in election after election, especially during the early years of this republic, during the Abbasanjo years, the PDP simply decided which, which post they wanted and they wrote results and announced them. And if the, if the candidate or the party that was disenfranchised made any noise, they would say, oh, don't overheat the policy, go to court. Knowing that the judiciary itself it's 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 open 
to to being bought. Okay, so somebody somebody steals a governorship of a state, and says to the rightful winner, go to court, and you go to court, and he's using the resources of the state to bribe the judiciary, and they uphold his election. Oh, you know, the the plaintiff has not uh, made a, a case or something has not established that uh, he was cheated out and so on. Um, so that kind of thing. So I think, I think actually, uh, to go back to the point I was making earlier, if Nigerians have a sense that there is a voting system that is foolproof, that is not open to manipulation, in other words, if Nigerians feel that their votes will really count, I think you're going to see but an uptick in participation in voting and also you're going to see uh, people vote more and more for the candidates of their choice because they would then feel uh, this guy may have no money but we like him we like his program and if we cast our votes for him he's going to win but if you feel that you cast your votes for the good person he's going to be rigged out and there's a man who is handing you money on the other side, or a woman, you go take the money, and often you go in there and you cast the vote for the person who has given you money. You know? So I think that, uh, and I, I think Anambra, the Anambra elections have yeah. proved that point. Yeah, I mean, what is the long-standing thing? You go back to 51, we're still, we will probably keep talking about it, 51, 53, where you know, um, um, first the fifty-one was the Western House, fifty-three was the campaign where Ibos get slaughtered, and you're talking about um, uh, the sixties. You're talking about all these things are all still um, highly disputed by people till tomorrow. So you have a, you have a whole um, generation of people who have grown up who are. Even grandfathers mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. who have grown up, like looking by, like these things don't matter. Like you know, God. So it's 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 a lot to ask. You know, um, we're kicking off the campaign. Obviously, the campaign is getting in gear. You have um, the hardcore, um, uh, the the people that are in, are in the campaign that people feel have been ordained. That we have to. They have to. The other people on the um, the voters, the regular citizenry in the country all feel like, mostly feel like rather, that they have to pick from one of these people, the Sarakis, the uh, uh, Tinubu, the Atiku, uh, and maybe, you know, some people like Ritimi Amechi or Wike, something like that, some people like that maybe. So yeah, now I'm telling people that you can break the mold. And um, we have these conversations. Um, like I said, I've, I've been on Twitter spaces with somebody like Ekinsley Moalu, uh, with the show array, for instance, uh, and on Clubhouse with them on stage, um, conversation they believe and like hate them, whatever you think. At least somebody like Shore, for instance, as a contrast to Kinsley Moalu, has um, has a certain level of name ID at this point in time in Nigeria. Um, but even he, people don't believe he'll win. Kinsley Moalu, people mm-hmm. believe is. Um, a Obodoibo, <laughs> Obodoibo guy with good English. And literally, you see, which is what one thing I love about all this Twitter club, you see people come up and literally say that. For those who don't understand what Obodoibo mm-hmm. person is or Oibo, people who think it's just people 
who are not Nigerians that they get called that name. Actually, Nigerians uh, mm -hmm. uh, get called Oyibo. I get called. For those that don't know that went to Nigeria, get, get, get called Oyibo. Mm -hmm. um, you know, full-blooded Nigerians and Obodo Oyibo people, meaning people somehow, people that are in the sky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> people mm -hmm. that are not. It, I'm, this is my own paraphrase, isn't it? But if mm -hmm. you wanted to translate it, what it meant, it's obviously, but in the context, it's, it's used in it ends up just meaning somebody in the sky mm -hmm. that is after sipping some uh, Chardonnay talks about <laughs> to say hey, this is what you guys should do go back and do it. Yeah. you know so mm. you know I'm looking at these people now and, and you know even for those that are to me I feel like Imogalo has been actively on it but then again if to, to to run a campaign in Nigeria either you have a very brilliant um, catchy slogan like mm. you've alluded to mm -hmm. and you always allude to or you have um, some resources, which, you know, mm -hmm. he's, I see him on his discipline on the WhatsApp groups. He's uh, raising money, trying to raise the profile, appointing, even to the point of even appointing shadow ministers mm -hmm. on his campaign. Mm -hmm. I hope I hope that's public. I don't know. I believe if it's not, then all the apologies then. Mm -hmm. But it should be. Um, trying to seem like um, a serious distance. Mm -hmm. But it's not catching. Mm. doesn't matter if you yeah. say I, I assume it's public if it's not mm. public then it's weird why even appoint shadow mm. ministers anyway mm. if it's not mm. public mm -hmm. you know that means you're self-aggrandizing mm. in a way <laughs> mm -hmm. which is the question somebody actually asked in one mm -hmm. of one of those whatsapp groups they announced this and they announced that and announced this and he's announcing all kinds of offices to to have a semblance of of seriousness to catch on but um that level of seriousness is not what resonates with, with, with mm -hmm. people on the ground. So mm -hmm. when we talk, it's like, yeah, this guy is Obodebo. Yeah, sure, maybe we like his zeal, but yeah, he's not going to win. Mm -hmm. So how do we build that bridge? How, you know, and this is part of what we're trying to do. Had um, put into these conversations how to uh, uh, get as many people as we can on a bridge mm -hmm. to somewhere mm -hmm. to help get mm -hmm. as many people as we can. Well, I, I think that, um, first of all, the sheer investment of time is important, okay? So uh, what we've seen in the past is that a few months to an election, these um, uh, great tantalizingly wonderful candidates come out of the woodworks and, you know, they announce themselves as running for president. And so there's a certain a level of cynicism that then attends uh, their announcement, people feel like, you know, they're almost self-aggrandizing, you know, it's just uh, they they sure of it, right? But I think that the crisis in Nigeria is, is deep, okay? And so that in every sector, okay, Nigerians who want a different country, a better country, uh, ought to come out every day and uh, take the message to, to Nigerians. Uh, do an analysis of why Nigeria, with all its promise, has come to such a uh, terrible pass. Okay? And then articulate uh, the, ways in, the ways in which um, you can represent a departure okay um a different turn a different positive turn so this is this is very very important i think um 
So the 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 Kinsley Moralos, uh, the Showares, the Durotoyes, and so on, um, should actually make it a four-year investment. They should go around campuses. They should go uh, to towns and cities. They should go to the grassroots. They should recruit people who go to them for, for the, to the grass grassroots. And I think that. Um, one of the th- one of the a few years ago, I was I happened to be in Lagos, right? Um, before the last elections, general elections in Nigeria, and I gave a talk to the Rotary Club of uh, VI and Ikoyi, so one of the elite Rotary clubs in Nigeria. And I said to them, I said, "Who are you thinking to vote for?" And half of them said Atiku, half said Buhari. And I named the list of some of the more enlightened candidates in the race. And everybody said, oh, you know, but um, um, they don't have the structure. And I said to them that this is an indictment on you, all of you in this room. I said, all of us in this room uh, have a habit of sending and resending hundreds and hundreds of videos. You know, just useless videos that we titillate us so we share it amongst our friends. I said, why don't you use the same technology that's available to you and constitute yourself into a structure for a different candidate other than Buhari and Atiku? Because I said, if you owned a private business and an Atiku, um, a Buhari and a Kinsley Mwagalo Drotoye propose themselves to run your company for you, business i said would you grant an interview to buhari and atiku they said no i said then why are you hiring them why are you at peace with hiring them to run a far more complex organism called a country okay so i said to them what i propose you do is use your cell phone compose a message to 10 20 100 however many friends you have let the first sentence be, I have decided to vote for candidate, and you name the candidate you're going to vote for. Make it a good, enlightened candidate. And you say to them, I'm writing to you to urge you to choose this candidate. These are my reasons. And then you say, please, do not make excuses that they will not win. Because they will not win if you make that excuse. I said, what I urge you to do is to adopt my opening sentence. I will vote for this candidate. Send the same message to as many people on your contacts as possible. The same people you send videos to. I said, before you know, we could use technology and create a viral political force. Which, even if the candidate that you support, who becomes the beneficiary of this viral um, uh, advocacy, even if that candidate doesn't win, if Buhari, who ultimately won, got uh, 11 or 13 million, at least if this candidate gets 2 million, the next election cycle, he will become a more serious political factor, okay? Because we are taking the long-term view. But if every election we say, oh, you know, we're stuck, these are, it's going to be these Neanderthals who have, made no contribution to society, but have ripped inordinately from society. 
Then we're stuck in the same cycle. Take, take Obama. Obama, when he started this campaign for the uh, Democratic ticket, right? Everybody thought he was laughable, okay? The people knew he spoke well. He could speak grammar, as Nigerians would say dismissively. But he believed in, in himself. And he went in to win. He didn't go in just to play around and come out. He went in to win. Hillary Clinton, on the other hand, ran a lazy campaign. She thought it was going to be a coronation. After all, you know, yeah, um, it's I'm Hillary, right? And Obama outworked her. And Obama then excited young people by saying to them, yes, we can do this. Yes, we can, right? Have no fears. And once he got the young people, they got their parents behind him. Okay, And they began to campaign for him day in and day out. And that's the kind of thing he's going to take to achieve this revolutionary uh, 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 transition again in Nigerian politics. Yeah, well, and that being said, um, that would be this thing to uh, probably pass on to, uh, well, like to probably close uh, for the day. Um, I know there was a little bit of happenings in terms of um, um, the young child, Sylvester, that uh, sadly lost his life through school negligence, um, which I wouldn't say could have happened anywhere, but you know, clearly there was a Nigerian um, condemnation to it. Uh, and with the four boys that were bullying him, who uh, one of them was um, a late politician's son or something like that, and some of the reports that they actually flew them overseas and, and you know, after everything. Um, I think that was sad. Um, and, uh, I mean, personally, I just would hope that... I think the saddest part is... Um, there was... I think the, the kid's birthday was, like, a week after, and the father celebrated his birthday. And it, the saddest part was just... It felt like a resignation of some sort that there might never be justice for there, even though... All the names of the, of the you know were put forth. So um, it's the sad part of it. Um, it's not that that happened. It's just the well. It's, it's that it happened one too, but it's it, it's amplified with the fact that by the Nigerian political climate, chances of 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 justice being sought being served is very slim. Um, yeah. It's possible, yeah. but it's very slim. Yeah. It's um, it speaks to uh, so many uh, problems, issues with our judicial system, with our law enforcement system, uh, that we have a system where um, if you have um, enough of a name, enough of uh, uh, contacts, connections uh, politically, you are effectively above the law. And I know that, you know, even in this country, there are people who have a, a wayside status as being above the law. But often it, it, it's, it operates at a more uh, subtle and muted level uh, than in Nigeria, where it's just on the surface and where it's, you know, basically flagrant and on you know on the surface um but 
you know, a young kid has died tragically. I think that um, um, society, uh, people who want a different kind of Nigeria should put pressure on the law enforcement authorities and prosecutors to do the right thing and, and to arrest the perpetrators of this terrible, horrific crime. Uh, no parents should send their kid to school and then claim a corpse in return. But it's a kind of, uh, you know, we're talking about this because, you know, in a lot of ways, even the kid who died, you know, um, to have some privilege, had some privilege, right? Um, in Nigeria, uh, people people's lives, lives are taken uh, daily, uh, in the most egregious manner by uh, by people who have power and they they are not held to account at all and so um, we didn't get so much into it uh, but that's the kind of restructuring that we need to do of that country and we need a constitutional restructuring so that even uh, we can reduce the 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 um, the power that's at the center, so that this madcap rush to go seize the center because that's where everything is happening will be drastically reduced, uh, and we also need to reform sectors. You know, I'm, I know that we're planning at some point to do something on law enforcement in Nigeria on the judicial system in yeah. Nigeria. Um, how do we uh, ensure that there is independence of the judiciary, that the judicial officers are properly monitored, that uh, prosecutors and police people are held to account uh, for their conduct? Uh, these are things that are key to a civilized society. Um, so my hope um, is that there will be a sense of justice. The, 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 the perfect justice would have been that this kid's life was not taken uh, in an un untimely manner. But that tragedy has already happened, but that the people who are behind it should be held to account and that the school should be punished and other people who uh, took a hand in uh, trying to, um, to cover up for this dastardly act uh, should, should pay a price. Yeah. So on that note, um, closing thoughts. So, so we, you know, um, as, as I said, um, the Anambra state elections give us hope. I really um, I think that um, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit late, but the, the, the Nigeria, Nigerians don't have to settle for these... Um, uh, questionable characters who are proposing themselves to to shepherd the country. Um, these are not the kinds of candidates we want. Um, and it has nothing to do with ethnicity. I have said again and again that I don't support an Igbo candidate. I'm Igbo. I'm Christian. I don't support a Christian candidate. I support an enlightened candidate wherever that enlightened candidate comes from. So my criticism of Tinubu has nothing to do with his being Yoruba. Uh, Tinubu was is simply a disaster. Um, was a disaster as governor, and uh, is going to be a disaster as president. So 
um, the same reason I will not support an Ojo Zakalo, uh, who was a failure as governor of Abia State. Um, uh, Nigeria needs enlightened people, you know, uh, an enlightened political movement to move it from this rot into um, the kind of potential that the country has. Because again, as we have said, we have some of the most gifted musicians, gifted comedians, gifted uh, scientists and surgeons and writers in the world. Uh, There's really no reason why our politics should be monopolized by, um, by, the, by, by, by the most rustic and inelegant and uneducated uh, and just money-obsessed um, mediocrities. Yeah, I agree. That being said, uh, we'll definitely get into, <laughs> into next, next on the next episode. But That's yeah. right. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us again on Offside Musings. I'm